right, let's get the party started. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. We are, I'm just really excited. We had some cooler weather this week, but more importantly, we have a great show lined up for you today. It's very, it's our honor every time we can talk to Dan Bortner, who is the director of our Division of Parks. Of course, Ginger Murphy is with us regularly, bringing us up to speed on all the great things going on in our state parks. But Director Bortner has a very important role now, not just as director of our state parks, but he has uh, now the leader of the National Association of State Park Directors. We're going to find out what, when, where, why, and how that means, what that means to the folks here in Indiana. And uh, it's all good the leaders recognize him for what he has done to make Indiana State Parks truly a great destination, no matter where you choose to go. We also have, sorry about that, we also have uh, an opportunity to visit with Joe Caudell, who is the uh, deer biologist for the state of Indiana. And as you know, October 1st starts the archery season here and we are looking forward to what our dear biologist has to say, EHD, CWD, all these great acronyms that we need to be aware of and pay attention to, some disease factors that are high on his mind. We're going to find out what that means to Hoosier hunters, what you need to be aware of. And of course, last week we visited with the Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry program. Go find out where there's a nearby processor that you can drop that deer free. And they will make sure that protein gets to the right people in your area. Protein is so important. We're also going to visit with uh, Jay Anglin. Anglin Outdoors. He's our correspondent from the north. I always love following him. He's prolific. He's always doing something. I saw some dove. I saw some teal. I saw him working dogs. I saw him catching fish. We're going to find out what he has got to look forward to. Uh Story-wise, he's always good for stories. That's what I love about Jay Anglin. And speaking of stories, Dan Bortner is with us. I understand he is on the line. He is ready to go. We're going to find out what's happening with our state parks and with him as the director of the National Association of State Park Directors. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Buckle in. Here we go. Back right after this. a great weekend it's beautiful here in the state of indiana at least it was uh forecast ahead smack in the face again with 90 degrees and uh i'm not looking forward to that no no opening of archery in the state of indiana uh should be faced with a 90 degree i can remember sitting in a tree stand on october 1st on a couple of occasions over my long tenure where it snowed on october 1st i long for those days but as I mentioned, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about all things good in the Indiana outdoors. And one of the great success stories and one of the great uh, destinations is any one of our state parks here in Indiana. We are blessed to have truly one of the best in the country. And that doesn't happen without great leadership. And as I mentioned, uh, director of our state parks, division of state parks is Dan Bortner. Dan, it's great to catch up with you again. It's been a while since you and I have talked here on Indiana Outdoors, but it's nice to have you back. 
Indeed, my friend. It's good to, good to hear your voice again. Good morning to you and all across the great state of Indiana. Good to be back, my friend. It is indeed. And uh, this time we're, well, frankly, we're just going to talk about you. How's that? Because you had a great <laughs> honor bestowed upon you. You have, you are the third longest tenured state park director in the country and let's just hover there for a second there's a lot of state parks in a lot of states who uh take great part pride in their state parks but you don't become the third longest tenured uh in the country without success and i know you have to take pride in that what what have you learned in this tenure the, the thing that I've learned more than, than anything else, Brian, and it and it's, doesn't matter what industry you're in, what organization you're a part of, you surround yourself with good people. You know, you go out and you find those people who have a passion for, for what you do. And here in Indiana, we've been, been very successful at that. As you said, uh, success breeds success. And the team that we have around us uh, from the property level all the way up through, through the executive office in Indianapolis are all park professionals who are dedicated to their craft. You know, it's not uncommon for us to have 40, 45 year employees by the time they retire. And it's all because everybody loves what we do. Uh, you know, we, we always talk to young folks who come into this business and are interviewing for entry level positions. And we make sure they understand that you need to know that this is a lifestyle. Uh, you know, it's uh, as in anything in government, you're, you're never going to get rich and you shouldn't because you're, you're basically operating a business on the taxpayer dime. But it's, uh, it's, it's something that just gets in your blood and, and you truly love doing so we've been blessed from that respect you sure have and i don't think there's any better place or destination than any one of our state parks and having been to nearly all every one of our state park inns there's not one that i can say was man that wasn't a good use of my time and (laughs) you know you've always said you're in the business with the department the division of parks is in the business of making memories and that struck with stuck with me and struck a chord that that's a pretty good mantra because that takes it all into perspective it's not about it is about the food at the end don't get me wrong but it's about all the other things <laughs> that go along start. that's a good start it is about making memories when you come in there and that goes down to your 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 naturalists your interpretive services the food the quality of the inn how you're treated at the gate the condition of the trails that just doesn't happen without purpose that's that's a fact my friend you know at, at the end of the day when a person wakes up, uh, you know, on a Saturday morning and decides that they're going to go out someplace today and, and do some recreation time with their family, they've got a lot of options. You know, you can you can wake up in downtown Indianapolis and after lunch you can be in Nashville, Tennessee. So there's lots of options for folks. And so our you know our idea has always been to create an experience for our guests, uh, something that they're going to want to come back and do again. Because as we say, you know, these beautiful, wonderful places, these these DNR properties, whether it's parks forestry, fish and wildlife, outdoor rec, nature preserves, whatever, you know, they belong to the citizens of this great state and our guests. And to, to as we always say, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek, that these, these are treasures in your own backyard, because no matter where you live in the great state of Indiana, you've got one of these properties within an hour's drive. And you can go out here and for for very, very little, you can you can go in and spend a day there with your family and create the kind of memories that that are going to be with you for a lifetime. 
Boy, I couldn't agree with you more. When my kids were younger, we'd pack up the old pop-up camper and, and hit a new state park, and we did that throughout spring, summer, and fall, and it was so much fun to do that, and they still talk about it. I I don't miss the pop-up camper as much, but I, I miss the experiences. You, you have risen uh, and been certainly recognized by your peers, and part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is you have just recently... Uh, become the president of the National Association of State Park Directors in our country. And that's a big deal because there's over 6,800 state parks in our in our system across the country. And your peers have recognized your leadership. That has to make you feel good and humbled at the same time. Well, it, it certainly does. Uh, you know, the, the main thing for me is that it, it means that, that people around this country are, are paying attention to the model that we've created here in Indiana. You know, not everybody has a Yellowstone or Yosemite in their backyard or a Great Smoky Mountain Range. You know, there are some iconic places around this country that belong to the National Park Service. And, you know, they, they get a lot of visitation. They get a ton of visitation. But the number of visitors that come to a state park versus those national parks is five to one. Uh, most people will spend more recreation time in these local places than they do in the, the iconic ones. So we're the we're the, the properties that, that people go to the most. It's where they, they're, again, where they picnic, where they have their family reunions and things like that. When they go to Yellowstone, it's a destination vacation. When you go to Pocagan State Park, you're going there to fish, to, to horseback ride, to hike, spend time with the family. And, the, you know, around the country, uh, Indiana has somewhat become known as a, as a good model of how to, to operate these things. And we take a very business-like approach to it. Like I said, we we utilize recreation to help us to pay for conservation in the state of Indiana. Boy, I like we that. believe we're a good value. I like that a lot. And I want to hover here just for a second because, sure. you know, what you said, operating it as a business and uh, the diversity in how state parks are are treated within each state is very different they don't all work the way they do here in indiana that's uh, fact you know just if you're in our neighboring states of ohio for example you got a few acres they call it a state park and right. we have tremendous state parks but they you're recognized indiana is recognized as a model for how these are run and by treating it as a business, as you say, that leads to success. But I wanted to get your perspective on the diversity of state parks in other states from where you sit and how you think Indiana compares. Well, I appreciate that. You know, and you're absolutely right, Brian. You know, the, my good friend uh, who used to be the director in, in Alaska, Ben Ellis, he's now the director in Missouri, but he used to give me such a hard time because here in Indiana, our largest state park is Brown County at just slightly over 16,000 acres. Well, his smallest state park in Alaska was over a million acres. But I always told him, you know, you've only got three people working there, and their only job is to try to take somebody out of there when a bear tries to eat them. You don't have any infrastructure. Right. <laughs> you're managing land that nobody is on. So, you know, when you come to Brown County State Park, you've got 400 campsites, you've got a lodge, you've got a small city on any weekend and, and during the summertime. So it's just a different philosophy of management on how you manage these things. So as you look around from where you sit now as the president on your two-year term and well-deserved, you've spent time in leadership and you've created great friendships with your long-time leadership here in Indiana with other state park directors. What do, the, what do they come to you and ask? Say, say there's a, a conversation of, yeah, for a discussion. Uh, what, what do they say, Dan, how do you do this? 
the the beauty of this organization, I mean, it is a very small fraternity. You figure there are 50 states that that belong to this organization. We have affiliate members, uh, the National Park Service, U.S. uh, Department of Agriculture and Forestry and uh, Interior and Corps of Engineers. Uh, You have the Canadians Parks Council. There are a lot of groups that are also a part of this, but it comes down to these these 50 folks that all kind of do the same thing from a standpoint of trying to operate these very diverse systems and the ability to talk to each other about the daily issues that you have. I mean, a fine example, uh, we have a small herd of bison at Tobachi State Park uh, up, uh, up in the northern part of Indiana. We were having some trouble with a fence and didn't really know what to do. Well, you call the people out in South Dakota. They're real good at making bison fence. <laughs> so in a 15-minute 15, 15 conversation, you know, my little 12-head herd versus their 1,500-head herd, they can take care of my problem. And, and you know, it's just those kinds of dialogues. If, if somebody's facing an issue that they haven't faced before, you can pick up the telephone and get you some answers. You know, everybody knows that our division of parks is just flush with money, and it's like a the money cannons <laughs> just pointed at you and just rained down all this yeah. cash. How do you do this under such incredibly tight, restrictive money constraints? It seems like it's the easiest place to cut, but when they cut in a state park or in your budget, it hurts. Oh, it certainly does. You know, that's why we have, you know, there's a deferred maintenance issue that we're, we're trying to address. And all park systems face that, face that around the country. That's probably the thing we hear more than anything else is, is how are you handling your deferred maintenance issues? You've got a system. Our system was started in 1916. We're over 100 years old. We have some of those original buildings. You know, the, the time to decide whether or not you're going to maintain something is before you build it. After that, it's out there. So we, we do have to prioritize with the dollars that we have. Now, we, we pride ourselves here in Indiana in that we're about 80% self-funded. I mean, we, we create our own way to the best of our ability. State legislature certainly helps out with capital funding and some other things, but we try to do what we can with, with what we have, and we know our numbers. I mean, I always tell the property manager, you know your numbers. You know you know on your property what most people are there to do, whether it's hiking or, or fishing. You know, you kind of know the personality of that pro- property, and you invest where you're going to get the greatest bang for your buck. Well, in addition to the fact that you're just rolling in dough, and everybody knows that's a joke, <laughs> you never have any problems to deal with. You never have to deal oh with the public. My. Everybody loves the state parks until they have an issue. And I know we've had some issues over the years, but you and your tremendous personality, I've never had the opportunity to work with a leader of a department in the Department of Natural Resources that has the ability to really relate to those even who have real issues. Uh, you know, I speak of the the dunes, for example. It's been in the public for a decade, and yet you find a way to bridge those gaps. Where do you find the fortitude to do that? Well, you know, you have to, to just assume that when folks come to you with issues and concerns, they're doing it out of out of their, their concern for the property and for the resource. You know, there are no bad ideas. I mean, there may be times where we disagree on, on the best route, but I, I believe that everybody, whether they come in and agree with us or disagree with us on how we manage something, do have the best interests of that facility in mind. I mean, there's there's nobody, I always I tell folks all the time, there's nobody in this, this, this government world that's anti type park. You know, I've, I've never had a situation where, where somebody came in and said, you know, uh, parks are, are, are not necessary and things. They, they truly are. 
they're there for us when when times get bad. They're they're there for us when when times are good. They're just a part of the fabric of the life of, of living here in Indiana. And so, you know, you just take the the attitude that everybody is trying to do things for the right reasons. That it's not a it's not malicious. Sometimes we just disagree, and you have to prioritize, and, and you have to do what your gut tells you is right. Well, with all the successes that you have led the department, I know you know they're not yours, and you've always said that, but the buck stops at the top. And with that, I just want to give you a mighty congratulations, not only for your leadership of this department or this division, but also being recognized by your peers in such a wonderful way. And I know your leadership of the National Association of State Park Directors is going to be a wonderful experience, and I'm sure will in spades be returned to the citizens of Indiana. And, uh, you know, I know people don't realize this, but you drive back and forth to Bedford every day to Indianapolis and wherever <laughs> you are. It's it's not an easy job. So we appreciate all that you do. And uh, in final words, anything that you want to give to the people of Indiana that are listening today about the upcoming yeah, fall? Yeah, that's the thing. We've got some good things going on this fall. Uh, you know, winter will be here before we know it. Get outside while you still can. October is a wonderful, wonderful month to get out and enjoy these properties. Lots of activities going on. Not, I'd like to say not quite as hot, but as you alluded to earlier, it might be 90 degrees next week. So, you know, as we go into those October months, hopefully things cool down just a little bit, maybe get a little bit of rain to, to squelch some of this, a little bit of drought we've got going on. But uh, just looking forward to getting out this fall and making sure Hoosiers do the same. Our guest today and always welcomed here is Dan Bortner, the director of the Division of Parks. And congratulations to you and all your staff. We're always an open phone here on Indiana Outdoors. And as we always say, we'll see you outside somewhere, Dan. Thank you, my friend. Good to talk to you again. You too. It is Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk to our state deer biologist, find out what's happening there with the start of archery. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I'm your host, Brian Pointer, back right after this. So great to visit with our director of the Division of Parks. Congratulations on him and his new role as the National Association of State Park Directors president for a two-year term. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Indiana Outdoors. I, your host, Brian Pointer, here every weekend. And we love to talk about all things Indiana. We're going to kind of do that today, starting with Dan Bortner. But the uh, start of our archery season for deer starts Tuesday, and with that, no better opportunity than to talk to our state's deer biologist, Joe Caudell. Joe, it's great to be with you. How are you? Doing good, Brian. Good to be talking to you again. Well, you haven't done anything all year, so now you got to go to work, right? October 1st, you kind of have to go back to work, right? Just been hanging out, waiting for deer season to come around. That's what I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody somewhere that thinks that's what happens, but we know that's not true. You work very hard, and now the, uh, you know, a lot of things that you've been planning for come into fruition as people take to field and forest uh, with the start of archery season. But uh, your staff and you have been preparing for for the entire year uh, with managing and making sure everything's ready to go. And in the face of that. Very recently in the mainstream media, we've started to see this uh, EHD, epizootic hemorrhagic disease, kind of come to light and some management changes. What are your perspective uh, about that as the deer biologist for the state of Indiana? You might explain what it is and 
kind of what what do people need to be aware of? Yeah, so uh, like you said, EHD is uh, epizootic hemorrhagic disease, and it's just a natural disease uh, that's native to the deer that we have in Indiana, the white-tailed deer, and we have fairly regular outbreaks of this disease, and usually it happens about every uh, five to six years, and I think our most recent one was about seven years ago. And it usually happens when we have a uh, kind of just the right or from you know, my perspective, the wrong uh, confluence of uh, conditions. And so we typically you see it when your deer population is starting to get a little bit bigger. You see it when it's been at least four to five years. So you've got very few deer that have been exposed to it in that previous outbreak so there's there's very little immunity and then when we have drought conditions it just makes the deer bunch up together sure and because it's spread by that biting midge when uh you have more deer bunched up together it has a greater chance to affect a larger part of the deer herd i've read in a couple of mainstream media places that this could be the worst year it's looking to be one of the worst years for for this disease. And, of course, we're always looking out for monitoring chronic wasting disease, another that's been in the top of mind for you as a deer biologist for a decade or so, maybe mm-hmm. even more. How would you qualify it on a scale of 1 to 10? Is What's it look like to you from where you sit? Uh, well, it's hard to know right now. So we really won't have a good evaluation until essentially the hunting season is done because there are some things we can do to help monitor for uh, the deer that have actually survived EHD. And so one of the things we do is we actually look for deer that have survived EHD by looking at their hooves. And so that's part of that equation that goes into how uh, severe it was. We've been getting a whole lot more reports this year, but I think it's because our reporting system is so much better. People are becoming more aware of it. It's uh, you know something that's on a lot of people's minds, uh, even from year to year, where you know, a lot of people are concerned this is going to happen. And we've just got um, a much better reporting and mapping system this year than we've ever had in the past. So at least from the reports, it looks very bad, but until we actually analyze that data and, and look at the results of uh, the effects of EHD, we really won't know exactly how severe it was. You know, that's very fair. We're visiting with Joe Caudell, who is the uh, deer biologist for the state of Indiana. And I don't want to harp on this, but I think it's important for people to understand that to be aware. And I saw recently that uh, the department is in the northwest and northeastern part of the state asking for voluntary submissions on the ongoing CWDs uh, issues to turn in the skull or the head. Uh, that's been ongoing practice in different parts of the state, and I think that's very prudent. But we have a lot to look forward to this year with the start of archery and into gun season as you have looked and studied and prepared how do you think the state of Indiana is faring in terms of its deer population overall compared to our neighbors? Yeah, so uh, northern Indiana will be good. I mean, we've gotten a few reports of EHD from up there, but no more than what I would expect, you know, really in any given year. Uh, 
And so I don't think we're really seeing uh, much of an effect uh, up north. And so that should be relatively unaffected. Uh, our deer herd, uh, compared to like some of our neighboring states, I'd say we're right up there with them in terms of our uh, both our uh, quantity and the quality of deer that we have, and possibly a little bit more so on the uh, quality of our deer when you look at that on a per square mile of deer habitat. And so uh, there I think we're good. Of course, in the southern part of the state, it's going to be a little bit harder to hunt. I expect our success rates to be lower. And uh, if a hunter wants to be successful, they'll probably just have to spend a little bit more time in the woods, which, you know, is actually a good thing. You get to spend a little bit more time in the woods before you get to harvest the deer you want. Joe Caudell is with us. He's our state deer biologist. And, you know, I made fun of the fact that I think there might be some people out there that think you don't do anything throughout the year. But what, just in general, very quickly, what what are some of the key things that are on your uh, radar that you've been working on this year and where do you see it going? Yeah, so usually once the deer season's over, that's when we send out our deer management survey. And the more people, the more feedback that we hear back from that, the better. And then we take that feedback we get, that's when we, and we look at the harvest numbers and all of the mortality that we know about, and we start looking at our uh, county bonus antlers quotas. And while we're doing that, we're starting to work on our deer report because now we've got back our management survey. And so we spend a lot of time putting together that deer, uh, the, the annual deer report. And if people have seen that, it's much bigger than it was last year. And so, and that's just us trying to get more data out there that we are, as biologists, are using into the hands of hunters because what we've heard is hunters want to see this information. And so, uh, that's just a mechanism that we use to share back that data, that exact same data that myself and the other district biologists and, and other biologists and administrators are actually using to set these quotas. And then we start thinking about, uh, you know, testing for chronic wasting disease up north and kind of, you know, getting prepared for that and getting that uh, deer report out. And usually summer is a little bit slower for me unless we have uh, yeah. an occurrence of ENT, and then it's very busy. So uh, You do a great job, and we're so fortunate to have you as our state deer biologist. Joe Caudell, I wish you well as your season uh, begins. And a lot of folks, a lot of Hoosiers, a lot of great traditions coming up here, and they plan their whole year around what happens during October through January, whatever, whatever field you choose, whatever weapon you use we wish every hunter uh, a very successful year and fill their freezer full of venison joe thanks again for being here on indiana outdoors you're welcome it's good talking to you you too it is the indiana outdoor show i your host brian pointer don't go anywhere we got some more things to talk about we're going to go visit with our good friend up north jay anglin find out what's happening with anglin in the outdoors it's the indiana outdoor show and i'm your host brian pointer we're going to be back right after this It's all Indiana. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. Today it is. We're talking to our state deer biologists. We've had an opportunity to talk to our division of uh, parks director. Now we go up north to our good friend, 
and regular contributor to Indiana Outdoors, Jay Anglin, Anglin Outdoors. And Jay, I know you've been a busy guy here as we head into early fall. I've seen some of your pictures. You're fast and furious on water and every place else. How you been? Pretty good. Like you said, just running ragged, you know. There's so much to do and so much so many opportunities right now. It's really hard to <laughs> take your time and relax, you know. Well, between your uh duck hunting how's your duck hunting going i saw you doing some early work and your dog and you send some great stuff on instagram and i always enjoy them it makes me jealous you know teal season has been kind of iffy it depends on where you are uh we did pick up a few birds earlier this week and today um you know tomorrow excuse me is the last day of the season and um earlier last you know earlier in the week say uh, i don't know tuesday wednesday thursday with that northwest wind we did pick up a few birds uh but it's been kind of an odd year and part of that is it's just been so doggone dry that there's not a lot of wetlands around so i think a lot of birds when they migrate they just keep rolling you know until they find something bigger and better that makes your dog unhappy doesn't it it does and so that's one of the reasons with my young dog uh, uh jack he's just over a year old i've been taking throwing dummies out and we've been doing sort of dry runs in the spread it's a great way to train a dog put them on the dog platform about every 10 minutes, throw a dummy out there, you know, run them through the, 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 the basics of going through the decoys and all that. Kind of a good opportunity for it, to be perfectly honest with you. So we've got the start of archery season coming up here on Tuesday, and I know you uh, run a great service with uh, leading and guiding people, but right now, I know earlier this week, you were very successful. I've seen a lot of your pictures and clients uh, up on the, on the Joe and other places. How's the fishing been up north? Well, you know, it's it's funny. We had just the most incredible uh, coho salmon run and, and a few kings and a handful of steelhead uh, about three weeks ago. The water temps dropped pretty significantly. Uh, we had some east winds on Lake Michigan, so that, that brought that cool water up from the bottom inshore. Sort of a perfect recipe, a little rain thrown in there. And then all of a sudden we got summer again. And so all the salmon that didn't dive into a creek or, or, or a spring or something – you know, roasted out in the main flow because water temps pretty quickly recovered to summer temps. Um, that said, there's plenty of fish in the tributaries. And as things are cooling down now here towards, uh, you know, later this week, we've got some precipitation. We had some water here the last few days. Um, things will reset, but uh, really incredible number of fish. I'm, I'm talking, you know, thousands upon thousands of uh, really good sized fish, big kings, big coho. And I fully expect a good steelhead run here in the next couple of weeks for sure. There's no question that uh, they're primed and ready to come up. Jay Anglin is our guest, Anglin Outdoors, uh, one of our regulars here on Indiana Outdoors. And of course, I mentioned the start of archery season on Tuesday. Are you looking forward to deer season? What's it look like up north for the deer? Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that I, because of this summer-like weather and just being distracted by doves and teal and fish and all that and football, I haven't really focused on it much. I did go out and check a couple food plots and moved a couple stands around here this last week, but um, I kind of get in the bug. Um, I'm just not fired up yet, but I just need to go sit in a tree, and I think that'll change everything. But I've uh, seen some good deer, though, for sure. I've seen a lot of great pictures of deer on cams this year that's a really good sign so you know it, it, it i'm sure the first cool morning i get up and it's in the 40s i'm going to be grabbing that bow i can guarantee it just well, about that might be in february because i looked ahead next week and it looks like at least down here in the central part of the state we're looking at 90 plus degree temperatures which is obscene for the start of deer season yeah that's pretty bad and i noticed we had a couple up here that were warm but there is a little bit of a cool down in general sort of coming towards the end of next week 
uh, or, you know, I, I think it was the end of next week, maybe the beginning of the following week. And then the nighttime temps are key, too. You know, the temps get down in the 40s, and I don't know if that'll hold up or not. And then they keep changing it, so who knows? I, that's about the way I've looked at it. I'm just sick of the hot weather. I, uh, <laughs> I remember sitting in tree stands in the first week of archery season, and it snowed. I've been snowed on, and I I just can't fathom what that might look like because I I relish and cherish the day, the first hard freeze followed by a snow. You know, I got to tell you, I'm the same way. I lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan for six years, and I'm no I like snow, I like cold. Um, this has been nice because the smallmouth fishing still pretty doggone good, which is kind of you know it's nice to extend that out. And uh, you know, of course, everybody seems to be pretty happy that's that does outside stuff right now besides hunters, but. Man, we get a little bit of ice on the mud puddles and and some some snow spitting. You know, I'm I'm in a tree or I'm in a duck blind for sure. We always know that, Jay. Anything that you would like to share? I know that I say this, but I oftentimes don't know if people realize that you do run a guide service and you treat people to a great trip uh, up and down the river in your fishing season. And I assume you do that for deer as well. I don't do deer quite very often. Uh, more often than not, I have a couple guys out of the Chicago area or, or Indianapolis area. It depends. It might come up for a weekend. But um, normally I focus on waterfowl, uh, turkeys in the spring, and stick with the fishing thing. But, uh, yeah, jayanglinoutdoors.com. Uh, Is your wife looking forward to this season to get you out of the house? You know, that's a trick <laughs> question. <laughs> I've known you I long think- enough I can ask them. I, there, there's a lot of answers I could say, but if she hears this, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to back myself into a corner. So uh, I, 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 I plead the fifth. That's why you're so smart, Jay. It's always great to visit with you, Anglin Outdoors. Go back to your clientele. I know you got a whole bunch of people to take care of, and we look forward to talking to you again on Indian Outdoors. I look forward to it too, folks. Take care. Be safe out there. You bet. It is Indiana Outdoors show, and I am your host. We will be back right after this. It's the Indiana Outdoors show. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. What a beautiful weekend. It was a great week here for most of the week. And uh, looks like we got a little warm weather coming again. I don't know when I'm going to stop saying that, hopefully soon. But I don't want that to dampen anybody's spirits because this is truly one of the great times of the year. A lot of people, for the first time maybe this year, Looking forward to their great hunting traditions in the fall, whether it's waterfowl or, as you heard Jay Anglin say, still some great fishing all over the state of Indiana. It's hard to imagine deer hunting when it's 90 and the leaves are all up. But those leaves are going to change, and uh, the weather will. You need to be prepared and make sure everything's ready to go when it happens and you get out wherever you are going. And if uh, you're going, make sure you get to one of our state parks you heard Dan Bortner, the director of our Division of Parks, serving a two-year term as the president of the National Association of State Park Directors, recognized by his peers for his leadership. As you heard me mention, he's the third longest tenured state park director in the country. And with that comes a wealth of institutional perspective, leadership, and knowledge. And hopefully the folks around the country We'll be able to take advantage of that. And uh, 
I know he's all heart and all good. So I can't imagine that it won't be a great thing for those people around. He was telling me off air all the great, you know, all the great travel he gets to go to because of the regional meetings and other things kind of made me jealous. But uh, with that, we're always honored to have him be a part of Indiana Outdoors. Of course, state parks, usually a part of Indiana Outdoors, at least for some portion of our great show. Today, we just happen to have our director. Also, great to visit with Joe Caudell. Joe is the uh, director, a director. He is the biologist for our deer population here in Indiana, doing such a great job. And it's should be noted that EHD is prevalent throughout the state. And they're doing everything they can to monitor and make sure that everybody stays safe. It's just it's just one of those sick, cyclical things. We're going to keep an eye on that. And as you heard me mention, CHD always at the top of people's minds, doing some volunteer testing this year up in the northern part of the state. And Jay Anglin says fishing is going to be great coming into the fall. So as you can see, there's a lot going on. We look forward to bringing it all here to you on the Indiana Outdoors show. And of course, Tuesday, the opening of deer season in the state of Indiana, I want you to be outside no matter what you do this week and every week. And uh, with that, turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. Get outside, go to Field and Forest, do something fun. I will see you out there. Be safe. Back next week, everybody. Everybody.